Well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in to our program today. You may know that Family Talk is a listener-supported program, and we remain on the air by your generosity, literally. If you can help us financially, we would certainly appreciate it. God's blessings to you all. That's right, Dr. Dobson. And friend, thanks to generous listeners like you, Family Talk can reach more and more listeners with practical help and encouragement. To support Family Talk with your best gift, go online to drjamesdobson.org or call 877-732-6825. Today on Family Talk. The Bible reminds us that our light and momentary troubles pale in comparison to the glory that awaits us in heaven. But how can we prepare ourselves to view the tragedies we experience in life as simply temporary? And will we ever find a suitable answer to why these bad things happen to us in the first place? Today's guest here at Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk can absolutely understand these tough questions after sustaining a traumatic injury which left her paralyzed from the shoulders down. But she did not, however, let her disability control her or take away her joy in the Lord. As I continue to trust in the Lord and and see Him work in my life, then I began to piece together some of the insights and reasons behind my disability. Uh, I suppose if we were to trust God simply because he explains all the whys, it would be like putting the emotional cart before the intellectual horse. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, God calls us to trust him just because of who he is. And and when I was in the hospital and, and after I got out of that institution and my first year at home, I sensed in a very real and a personal way his abiding presence. Well, I'm sure you recognize that voice as the amazing Johnny Erickson Tata. And today you'll hear one of the earliest conversations Dr. Dobson had with Johnny going way back to the 1980s. At that time, she had just released her second book titled A Step Further and began work through her ministry, Johnny and Friends. God has used her in incredible ways since her accident 50 years ago. A woman who was supposed to waste away in her wheelchair is now a best-selling author of dozens of books, a talented artist and singer, and a highly sought-after speaker and mentor and innovator. She's also an energetic advocate for others with disabilities. On this first part of her conversation with Dr. Dobson, Johnny recounts the story of her accident, how she has made a living in her wheelchair, and why she feels the need to minister to other people with disabilities. I hope you enjoy what Johnny will share today on this edition of Dr. James Dobson's Family Talk. Johnny Erickson is sitting right on my left. Johnny, welcome. Good to be here. It is a tremendous pleasure to get acquainted with you. I've met you a few times at various conferences and things we've attended, but uh, this is really the first time we've had an opportunity to sit down and talk. And uh, there are exciting things going on in your life, as uh, usual, for the benefit of those few people out there who may not know who you are. I mean, there aren't going to be many of them, but for the benefit (laughs) of those who don't, Tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and about your accident and what has ensued since. Well, I've been in this wheelchair a little over 14 years, and in 1967 I suffered a severe spinal cord injury as a result of a diving accident at the age of 17. Now, when I was a young teenager, having to face the prospects of sitting down for the rest of my life without use of my hands or my legs, I was faced with terrible depression and my faith was weakening and my convictions were wavering. You were how old at the time? 17 years old at the time. Mm. I was a Christian I might add. I was saved through a Young Life weekend retreat 
and had known the Lord for about three years, but more or less kept my theology in my hip pocket, if you know what I mean. And it was almost as though God used that diving injury as a way of grabbing me around the shoulders and shaking me and saying, hey, wake up. I've got some things to tell you about yourself and some things for you to learn about me. Now, I wasn't real keen on learning too many things about God, and I thought, if this is his way of helping me to get to know him, forget it. And uh, that attitude pervaded for a couple of years. Now, you had been a very active teenager, hadn't you? Right. I was involved in playing tennis and horseback riding and skiing and all sorts of athletic events. We had a very close-knit family. Uh, None of us in my family really were ever touched with either illness or death or injury. My disability was the first traumatic incident to occur in my family life. So it, it, I suppose it, it, it shook all of our faith, the faith of our whole family. And uh, our family was in desperate need of focus at that time. And uh, after a long, long uh, period of questions and struggling through emotions and sorting through feelings and airing out anger, we all, including myself, finally came to the point where we could slowly and meticulously piece together the puzzle of our family suffering from the pages of Scripture. Now, that was nearly two years after my injury, and uh, I was a young adult at the time, and boy, when I began to piece the, together the puzzle of that suffering from the Bible, it was almost as though my spirits were lifted, my thinking was turned around, and I, I guess my, my uh, theology was pulled out of my hip pocket, and suddenly um, God, his nature and his character became the rock foundation of my, my rest and my confidence. Uh, it was the beginning of what has turned out to be a very exciting, but at times a very difficult adventure. Now, at 17 years of age, uh, that's a very important transition time. You're starting to look ahead toward adulthood and who you're going to be, yet you're still very, very wrapped up in the adolescent experience and dating and, and uh, self-esteem and the establishment of uh, the self-concept. Uh, what was that first year like for you, Johnny? You alluded to it a minute ago, but uh, as you lay there they're unable to move with the future uncertain. What thoughts went through your mind? Well, it, it was almost as though I was thrust into a world betwixt and between. I was still a young teenager who had a lot of crushed hopes, many shattered dreams, spoiled plans, no college, perhaps never a family, maybe never children, um, most assuredly never marriage. All I could think about was what I was going to lose as a young teenager. Uh, no longer could I think of wearing bikinis and running out to the beach and, and uh, surfing. No longer could I, I, I dream about uh, times when I would go horseback riding in the forest or, or uh, train up a young colt or, or these kinds of memories, uh, the simple memories of, of taking a shower or splashing into a swimming pool, all of these things I had to leave behind as a young teenager and that was very painful to do. And suddenly I was thrust into a world of now I must take responsibility for myself. Now I live in an institution where for two years I'm surrounded by by calloused, indifferent, impersonal uh, nurses and doctors. I'm in a, uh, an institution that 
through its system of rules and regulations depersonalizes you and dehumanizes you. I'm, I'm surrounded with people who are involved in the abuse of drugs, homosexuality. Uh, I'm separated from my family. I'm thrust into a culture and a world where I must deal with the larger issues of life. And it, it, was, it was really as though I were somewhere in between a, a very young world and a very adult yeah. world. And it was uh, kind of a teeter-tottering experience for my faith at first. Now, that's an overwhelming package to lay on an immature kid, especially during the storms of adolescence. Yes, and underline yet, immature. <laughs> <laughs> weren't we all? Uh, and yet you emerged from that with a clear picture of who you were and where you were going and who God is and what he was going to do with your life and have turned it into an asset. How in the world did you bridge that gap? Well, you took about 45 words to say that concept. And it took nearly three years to put it into practice for mm. me. Uh, it was a long, long time sorting through my feelings, as I said, airing out my uh, emotions, uh, expressing my anger. Better to be angry at God, I always thought, than to walk away from him at that point. Um, I, I suppose I went through the classic symptoms of one who suffers severe injury or trauma. Uh, first, I believe mm -hmm. there's a, a kind of uh, denial, denial yeah. uh, shock, anger. Uh, then there becomes a, a kind of depression. And finally, an acceptance. Well, as I shared, it took me a good three years to sort through that whole process. Finally, I came to the point where I couldn't deny my natural responses. I had to believe that, according to Scripture, God knows my frame. He remembers mm -hmm. that I am but dust. He, if anybody, understood what it was like to have a child suffer, bleed, be paralyzed. Um, of course, God the Father having to offer up the sacrifice of his only son on that cross, paralyzed on our behalf, securing for us our salvation. So I, I knew way down deep that God must understand how I feel. Uh, he must grieve with me. And, and that caused a kind of comfort um, to soothe my hurt, to act as a kind of balm or a salving ointment over the, all of these fresh wounds on my soul. Uh, as I shared, I went through that, that classic process of, of shock, anger, denial, uh, depression, and finally acceptance. But let me add right here, Dr. Dobson, that the acceptance that I went through was not necessarily one of simple stoicism. Oh well, God, I'm mm -hmm. I'm going to take this upon my back and this burden. I'm going to live my best with it, uh, with or without your help. It, it wasn't that kind of stoic martyrdom, and it wasn't even uh, it wasn't even a kind of uh, submerged rebellion. Um, I'm going to make the best of this, and I'm going to show God that I can do it, and I'm going to accept this again, with or without his assistance. It was, it was neither of those two. I suppose full acceptance from the biblical point of view is, is with open arms receiving whatever God has given us with thanksgiving mm -hmm. and, and embracing it, not just stoically uh, taking it or not just uh, acting as though we're some kind of martyr with all of its overtones of submerged rebellion. It's taking the Bible literally when right. it talks about suffering. And it's embracing it. And it's taking it unto yourself and accepting it willingly and saying, yes, I believe that all things really do fit together into a pattern for good. Now, that, I believe, was the kicker. That was the lever. That was the turning point for my own thinking. And I believe from then on out, my Christian walk 
became extraordinary. It became supernatural. Uh, as I saw the Holy Spirit release his power in my life as I continued in the obedience of giving thanks and embracing, embracing God's will for my life. Once I came to the point where I accepted my disability fully and entirely, I began to understand that the reason I could do that was not necessarily based on the fact that, that God had explained all of his reasons to me. At that point, I had not pieced together any of the reasons behind my paralysis. I had not put together any of the whys. At that point, I had simply understood the nature and the character of God. My trust in God did not depend on my ability or my inability to perceive his plan or figure out his mind. Mm -hmm. My trust in God simply rested on his nature and his character, and I think that made the difference. Uh, from then on out, however, as I continued to trust in the Lord and, and see him work in my life, then I began to piece together some of the insights and reasons behind my disability. Uh, I suppose if, if we were to trust God simply because he explains all the whys, it would be like putting the emotional cart before the intellectual horse. Mm -hmm. uh, first, God calls us to trust him just because of who he is. And, and when I was in the hospital and, and after I got out of that institution and my first year at home, I sensed in a very real and a personal way his abiding presence. I remember many nights I would lie in my bed and I would be so desperate to return to those feelings of self-pity. I, I, I wanted to uh, go back into the the uh, comfort of my of my tears, uh, temporary as though it was. Self-pity is tremendously destructive, though, mm, isn't it? It really is. Did you is. wallow in some of that in the beginning? Yes, I did, and I, I think I used it as a kind of. Uh, I don't know, weapon or tool against my family and friends for a while there. Um, Self-pity has as its root uh, self-centeredness. Someone said, if it wasn't for self-pity, I wouldn't get any sympathy at all, which <laughs> <laughs> may be appropriate. Yeah, well, that's true. It, it, it is some people's way, and I believe it was my way for a while there, of just uh, focusing the attention on my needs, my wants, my desires and ambitions. Um, poor me, haven't I been through it? Hasn't God dealt with me treacherously? Don't you feel sorry for me? Uh, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And, and it really was destructive. Uh, but I remember so many nights when I want to go back to that and wallow in that self-pity. I would lie in the quiet in the dark of my room and lying there motionless, immobile on bed. Uh, I fought the tears because... <laughs> there was nobody around to wipe them up. Mm -hmm. And it was a very messy affair if nobody was there to blow your nose. So instead of crying, and instead of wallowing back into self-pity, I would visualize Jesus standing next to my hospital bed, and I would just picture him there. Now, no apparitions, no visions, no ghosty mm -hmm. appearances. I just used to picture him standing there with perhaps a rough burlap cloak or maybe a, a rope belt tied around his waist, maybe dusty, dirty sandals. Uh, and I imagined that with one arm, he'd be leaning against the guardrail of my bed, and with the other hand, just gently stroking my hair and brushing mm. my cheek, reminding me, Johnny, if I loved you enough to die for you, don't you think I ought to know best how to run your life? And that's what I'm talking about when I say that my trust and confidence rested on his nature and character. Mm -hmm. uh, after, uh, long after, I began to rest my confidence on God's character, then 
God, through his, his grace, began to reveal to me insights as to why he was allowing my disability, as to some of its purposes, some of its reasons. Uh, but never were those reasons the basis for my trust in God. It was his character that was the basis Let for my Let me trust. see now if I understand what you're saying. In the beginning, God did not reveal to you or answer for you, either through his word or personally, the enormous whys of this tragedy. Uh, he didn't uh, come uh, or send an angel directly to you to tell you, now, Johnny, it's really going to be all right because you're going to write a book, it's going to sell millions, and hmm. your influence is going to expand, and I do have a purpose in your life. You had to accept it strictly on the fact that God is, that you know through his word that he is a God of love, that he cares about you, and that he has not forgotten you. And you had to just accept that on dry faith and sure. incorporate it into your heart. And the supreme demonstration of that is, is Jesus on the cross. Yes. I mean, when we think about it, it's, it's really an extraordinary thing that the God of the universe who, who uh, dreamed up time and space and, and kissed suns and stars into being and, and invented the majesty and the might of mountains and horses and oxen and cattle and, and this planet and atmospheres and creations and rivers. and The, the God that did all these things laid aside his robes of state and put on baby flesh to hmm. secure for us that rich salvation. Now, he didn't have to do that. God owed this utterly rebellious planet absolutely nothing. But for me, the supreme demonstration of why I ought to trust God was the love that he demonstrated on the cross. And boy, I saw there a God who suffered, a God who knew intimately what it meant to cry hmm. real tears and to uh, suffer real pain and that meant something to me. Later on when I read in Hebrews that our Savior has been tested and tempted and tried in every way like we, I, I, I knew what he meant. Mm -hmm. I knew that, yeah, Jesus went through paralysis. He couldn't move on that cross, so he knows what it's like for me when the confines of my limitations uh, get to be a bit too much. All right, so it was in understanding that and coming to that kind of resolution that you sat down to write. Is that correct? Well, no, it, it's funny. The book is rather incidental to my life, I suppose. I just was living a normal Christian life with all of its pains and problems and victories and joys and, and hurts and disappointments and loves. And uh, a publisher approached me and said, gee, we heard your testimony on NBC's Today Show, and we'd like you to write a book. Now, I never felt any particular burden to write a book. I, I never thought that my life was... Uh, was going to be used of God in, in, in the way that I've seen him use it now. I was just going about the business of, of mm -hmm. being a, a very real uh, Christian. And uh, when this publisher approached me about the possibility of putting my story into a manuscript, I, I thought about it, I prayed about it, and I suppose the, the go-ahead signal for me was that I didn't go around knocking on a lot of publishers' doors saying, mm -hmm. listen, I have a great story here, and I think you ought to publish this, and I think it's going to encourage a lot of people. Mm -hmm. What made me see that perhaps it was very much of God's design was that the Lord obviously opened the door, and he mm -hmm. was the one who was literally pushing me through the, uh, the publisher's threshold, so to speak. Now, you wrote that in what way? You obviously didn't um, push a pencil. Did you talk it into a tape recorder, or did you... Uh, uh, how'd you get the, the book down? Well, after the publisher had suggested that I write this book, I wanted to make sure I had something important to say, something encouraging and edifying to share. 
Uh, so I went ahead and I, I sketched out a very broad and basic outline, and then I began to flesh out that outline with the particular scriptures that had helped me and the personal experiences that illustrated those biblical points. Uh, then I just sat down with a cassette recorder and, and, and went for it. Uh, I think what evolved was perhaps 50 pages of, of raw uh, transcripts, and uh, Zondervan Publishing Company sent a writer out to the farm, and he and I labored over that manuscript for a long time, developing other points and expanding further insights, and finally the book evolved. Was it a shock to you the way it was received? Oh, yes. I receive mm. uh, letters from people all over the world with every kind of disability imaginable, and uh, I, I just can't. It's kind of extraordinary to see how God has used this wheelchair as a platform from which to demonstrate His grace. Uh, some people may not be aware of the fact, Johnny, that you not only have uh, written an extremely successful book, as we're talking about, and, uh, and a very helpful one, but that you have many other talents, including uh, you're a very accomplished artist. Uh, I was looking at some of your artwork yesterday, as a matter of fact, and I was amazed at the talent that you have. Was it there prior to your injury? Had you had uh, lessons, uh, especially with pencil? Uh, where did that talent come from? Did it emerge after your well, accident? I used to sit as a young child on my father's knee and as he would paint with his oils, uh, beautiful landscapes and pictures of horses and farm scenery. I, I, he would often clasp his hand around my tiny little six-year-old nubby little hand and paint away. And I began to develop a sense of color and a feel of form and a, and a, a desire for design as, as he went ahead and, and, and painted with, hmm. with my hand uh, in his. I, that, that would make a great sermon illustration for somebody somewhere. I, I, don't, I don't know. I should remember that. But uh, how but that I, translated to the ability to draw with a pencil in your between your teeth, well, it, it would make another good sermon. <laughs> yeah, the the transition occurs, uh, of course, with my disability. Uh, it's very natural that one should hold a brush or a, or a pen with their fingers, and as the wrist flexes and moves across the page, beautiful words flow. Uh, man was never meant to write with his mouth, <laughs> but somehow in some way, um, through a lot of labor and practice and training, I began to uh, control that brush and that pen between my teeth, and uh, I, I slowly began to see that the things I could do with my with my mouth, uh, the artwork that I could produce with a brush between my teeth was as good, if not better, than the kinds of things that I was doing with my hands. And, and let me add this little point, which perhaps might explain it. You know, God sets around all of our lives parameters, uh, limitations, hedges, so mm -hmm. to speak. And within the confines of that hedge, those parameters, we are called to exercise as much creativity as possible. Now, for someone who's severely disabled, of course, those parameters are closed in. The hedge is tightened, and, and the area in which one might be able to exercise this creativity is somewhat limited. But for the disabled individual, that should press him to be even more inventive and be even more imaginative and do as much as he possibly can with what little he does have left. It's almost as though, you know how it says the love of God constrains us? Yes. It's the same, the same concept. The parameters around us, our limitations, press us in and almost force us to be even more creative than 
than before we were limited, before we were disabled. So I think my, my paralysis has, in a very real sense, uh, nurtured that creativity and, and brought it out even uh, more. And that creativity is expressed also in your new book, A Step Further, which uh, has been number one on the bestseller list, I understand. Basically, the book A Step Further is an answer to the many, many letters that I receive uh, containing questions regarding spiritual concerns, emotional problems, physical needs, and I thought I would catalog a lot of my answers in this book to uh, attempt to meet as many people's needs and, uh, and questions as possible. Uh, the book basically deals with the whys behind suffering. As mm -hmm. I say somewhere in the foreword, I don't believe that my disability was a, a capricious mistake of God. I don't believe that I was the brunt of some divine cruel joke. God has reasons for why he does things and understanding some of those reasons has made all the difference in the world for me. What a gracious attitude Johnny Erickson Tata has toward her tragedy, which really fuels her love for God and for other people who live with disabilities. You've been listening to Family Talk and the first part of an interview Dr. James Dobson conducted with Johnny Erickson Tata back in 1982. Learn more about her ministry, Johnny and Friends, or how you can buy any of her best-selling books when you go to our broadcast page at drjamesdobson.org. Won't you consider blessing the ministry of Family Talk with a monetary gift? You know, the summer months can be tough for all ministries, and we are no exception. So if you're able to help us, please know how much we appreciate your donation. Go to drjamesdobson.org to make your secure tax-deductible financial contribution online. If you prefer, you can make a donation over the phone by calling 877-732-6825. That's 877-732-6825. We greatly appreciate your assistance during this time of year, and we also are grateful for your continued prayers for this ministry. I'm Roger Marsh, thanking you so much for listening today, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow to hear the conclusion of this classic interview featuring Dr. James Dobson and Johnny Erickson Tata, right here on Family Talk. Family Talk is not associated with Focus on the Family.